What's up, guys? I'm Jared Lopes, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast, where I'm helping everyday families learn how to follow Jesus in everyday life. How's it going, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. It's good to be with you. If this is your first time hanging out with us today, welcome. Glad that you stumbled upon the Dad Tired podcast. Um, want to invite you over to a closed group that we have on Facebook where we have a few thousand guys from around the world who are taking their faith, their family, and their marriage very seriously. We'd love to have you come be part of that group. You can do that by going to dadtired.com and then clicking the community tab. And again, that will link you over to a closed group that we have on Facebook. You'll also find all the podcasts that we have on there uh, and a way to... Um, sign up for our, an email, which I send out every couple months to just kind of keep you updated on things that we have going. So anyway, go to dadtire.com. You can find out a lot more information about what we are doing there. We'd love to have you go and be a part of that. You can probably hear my kids in the background. I've got three of them now, which I'm going to talk about a little bit here today. Um, and I've also got my mom and my sister who just flew into town for my son's sixth birthday um, this weekend. So we've got, let's see, that's three, four, five, six, seven of us uh, in this thousand square foot house. We're kind of packed in here and uh, it's a little bit loud and chaotic. So you are going to hear them probably screaming and yelling and playing and all that stuff in the background. So that's part of the reason we call it dad tired uh, is because it's real life. And I think from the very first podcast I ever did, we always had kids like (laughs) some of my kids running in the background or my wife like popping in at random times. Um, But I don't edit anything. I like to keep things raw and real because I know if you are listening to this, you are probably a dad and you totally understand where I'm coming from. Um, uh, This last week has been a huge week for our family. We uh, we've if you've been listening for a while, if you've been following along, I, I, I kind of do a lot of stuff on Instagram if you're following along there. But I've been telling you guys that I've been we've been in the process of becoming foster parents. And just this last week, we received actually on Mother's Day last year, or gosh, last week, you can tell how dad tired I am already. Last week uh, on Mother's Day, we had our first placement. We had a child placed with us. Um, not allowed to give too many details about her, uh, but I can tell you it's a little girl. She's two years old, two and a half, and uh, she's just a sweetheart. Um, and a lot of people have been asking me. I've been We've been getting kind of bombarded with people um, asking how to support us and love on us and all that stuff. Um, but asking us just like how we're doing, how is it, what's it like, what's the transition like. And what I keep telling people is there is really no um, box to like put this in. Um, when you have your own kids, if you're listening to this again, you're probably a dad. Um, when you, when you have your own kids, you, you understand the box of like you, this is your child. You love them unconditionally. You love them, um, with no strings attached. You love them even without knowing them, um, because you know that you're going to be invested in them for the rest of your life. Um, God willing. And so you, it's just this, you know, it's, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just this, it's an immediate love that you have for your kids that is unlike anything else you've ever experienced. Um, so you have that with your kids. Um, but then you have, you, you know, what box to like put that in, <laughs> you know, what, you know, what like compartment to put that in as a dad. 
Um, but then there's this like, you know, if somebody drop, if you had some friends that dropped their kids off for a night or a weekend or a week, uh, you would love them and you would take care of them and you'd make sure they were safe and you would protect them. But you also know that like this, these aren't my kids. Um, I'm going to be giving them back at some point. And so the, there's a different category for that. And, uh, you're just like, as men, we love categories. We love boxes. Um, and so we're able to like separate things. Okay. There, I'm going to put my emotions here and I'm going to put those emotions here. Cause there's a category. There's like neat boxes and compartments with fostering. There is no like compartments there. There, there is no compartment for the, for the emotions that I'm feeling. Um, and that my wife are feeling it's incredibly hard. It's incredibly rewarding. It's incredibly emotional. It's just the weirdest, um, most, amazing, confusing emotions I've ever felt. Um, when you know that you're going to love uh, this, this child for a long time, so we'll likely have this little girl for at least a year, uh, if not longer. And so I, I know that for the next at least year of her life, um, I'm going to be her daddy. And yet I'm not her daddy. Um, and I, and I want to be able to love her and support her family so that she can go back to her mommy and daddy. Um, so there's just, I, you can hear me like stumbling over my words here because just, it's just really hard to put like, I'm kind of dad, but I'm kind of babysitter. I'm caretaker, but uh, she views me as daddy somewhat. Uh, she already calls me that. And there's just all kinds of weird, um, crazy, good, hard emotions to wrestle through. So uh, I know some of you guys are foster parents and uh, a lot of you guys have been following our journey and, and uh, have just asked, how's the foster care um parenting going so far week one. And I would just say it's, it's amazing. It's really hard. Um, it's, it's, uh, I don't have a category for it. I don't have a box to put it in. Um, so that's how it's going so far. I I told my, one of my best friends this the other day, he was, he was asking me about the, the journey and, uh, asking me how it was going. And on mother's day, actually, we were at a park and we, we didn't do anything kind of big or elaborate, obviously, because we just got her, uh, that day. And so we were like, you know, obviously caring for her. And, but we went to a park, we walked to the park and I'm watching her play with my other kids. I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Um, they're all playing at the park. My wife's sitting there drinking a coffee. Uh, and we're all just like, just, you know, enjoying the sunshine, playing in the park. The kids are laughing. They're rolling down the hill. And, uh, I had this thought, like I've been in ministry for the last 12, 13 years, full-time ministry. And uh, for my entire life, even since I was seven years old, I've always imagined that God would have me in ministry. And I've always pictured myself like um, preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel, literally as a kid, to, to thousands of people. That's always been this like desire, this longing that God's placed on my heart, that I would um, be part of his kingdom work to just kind of preach the gospel and equip men and women Um by the thousands. I've just always like wanted that. I've always felt like God's put that on my heart. And, um, and I had this moment where I was, I was watching my kids play. They were literally like rolling down this hill, my wife sitting there. And, and I had this thought that, uh, my whole life I had imagined that to make a difference in the kingdom, like to make a difference in the world that I had to reach thousands, if not millions of people, like that would be my mark that I could leave on the world. And in that moment, I thought, man, if I could just get right with these four human beings, my wife, my two kids, and our new foster daughter, if I could just get it right with them, 
like legitimately that would change the world. And I felt a peace at that. Uh, I, I felt at peace with that thought that I didn't need to like reach millions of people. I didn't read, need to reach thousands, hundreds, dozens of people. All I needed to reach were, th- were these people, this little congregation that God has put in front of me. If I could be faithful um, to these human beings that he's placed right in front of me, um, that I, I that I could like die and feel like job well done. And I feel like that's God just laid that vision on my heart that, man, just be faithful to this this unit, this family that God has put in front of you. Be faithful to them. Give them everything you've got. Um, and I and I was telling my buddy, like, I don't know, man. I like I I feel like in that very moment, all of my dreams of my twenties, of my teens, um, felt childish. And maybe some of them were, and maybe some of them weren't. Maybe some of them were um, noble, or or maybe even God given. But in that moment, they felt childish and they felt selfish. Like, um, man, it's just not about me anymore. And I don't know if it's just because I've entered into my 30s. I'm still a young dude, but I don't know what what's going on in my life. There's a lot of stuff happening in my life. But at that moment, I just thought like, man, who cares about my dreams? Who cares about all the stuff that I want to accomplish in life or travel or the, you know, career stuff I want to do? Like none of that matters if I fail with this unit, with this family that God's put in front of me. And all I want to do is to be faithful to them, to be faithful to serving God, to point these people, these children and my wife to Jesus. And if I could do that, like that's it, that's that's job well done, that's enough. And uh, I don't know, I, it reminded me, I used to have this teacher in high school. Uh, he was actually, I, so I went to a public school my entire life, and then I transferred my senior year from public school to private school. And so I, I <laughs> there's a long story behind that. Um, but I went, I went to this private school. I didn't know really anybody. I just kind of dropped in there and started going to school there. And uh, it was a Christian school. And so I had this Bible teacher that I just really grew close to. I really respected him. And he had a bunch of kids. He had like six or seven kids. Uh, and he had adopted a child. And he uh, took in a young baby that wasn't his. And then took in the mom of that baby. And um, really loved on them and supported them and helped get them back on their feet. Like the dude just always opened up his home and and really just poured his life into serving these these kids and this his family. And uh, he lived on the salary of a of a you know Bible teacher at a private school, and his wife. I don't even, I don't know if she worked. Maybe she worked part time, but they didn't have a lot of income. They didn't have a big house. They they had this just small little house, like the house we're living in now, uh, just a small little house. And yet they had so much joy. They had so much like he was just he was had this like way about him where he could enter a room and just kind of fill the the room, not because he was super charismatic, but more just like this joy that radiated out of him. And it was, I was really drawn to him, but to be totally honest, I would go to like to his house um, or I would hang out with him and interact with his family. And to be honest, I was like, I felt bad for him, you know, as a young, uh, teenager and and kind of thinking through like, man, all the dreams that I want to accomplish in my life, I looked at his life and thought, I feel bad. Like dude's got tons of kids. He's always busy. He's probably really tired. He doesn't have a lot of money. And uh, this week after fostering for one week, uh, I look back at him. He came to mind and I just thought, man, I think that he was onto something more than, uh, he probably looked at us, everyone around him. Like I feel bad for them. 
um, that they're chasing after things that would give them joy, and yet all the things they're chasing after would leave them unfulfilled. And uh, I and I, I apologize because I'm rambling a little bit, and um, but I've just had so many thoughts going through my head this weekend, and and one of them uh, on along those same lines is the fact that. Jesus, throughout all of the scriptures, all the New Testament, Jesus is constantly telling people to like die, to die to themselves, to to give up their life, to lay down their life, to bear their own cross um, and come and follow him, to give up their life for the sake of the gospel. And, and you know, I, I've mentioned this before, but the woman at the well and, and, she was cheating on her wife, or sorry, on her husband multiple times. She had had multiple affairs and God's, and Jesus looked at her and said, do you want water that will make you never thirst again? And she's like, yeah, of course I want that kind of water. And he was like, no, you need to drink of me and your soul will never be thirsty. Jesus wasn't talking about water. He was talking about himself. Jesus was saying that, listen, obviously woman, like you're cheating on your husband over and over and over again. You were looking for something to satisfy your soul, but there there's nothing that will satisfy your soul like I can. And Jesus was saying, like, come to me and you'll never thirst again. And he said this multiple times throughout the New Testament, like, eat of my flesh or, or I am the bread of life. I am the life that will sustain you. And, and constantly Jesus is talking about, like, he is the living water. He is what sustains us. He is what gives our soul satisfaction. And my entire life, uh, I just have been thinking about this week, all the things that I've chased, both good and noble, things that I've chased to bring me satisfaction, and yet all of them have failed me. Um, I'm always wanting more. It doesn't matter. Even good things, like you keep chasing after good things, but you think that if you finally get it, you get that job or you get that car or you get that promotion or you get that raise or, or whatever it is, like somehow your soul will be more satisfied and you're not. You're always left wanting more. You're always left wanting something more to satisfy your soul. And Jesus is saying, listen, I know that you're longing for peace. I know that you're longing for this unspeakable joy. And I'm telling you, you can find it, but you can only find it in me. So come and die. Give up your own desires. Give up your own life and come and serve and follow me. Give up your life for the sake of the gospel. Those who seek to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For the sake of the gospel will find it. And my whole life, like, I just haven't really believed that. Um, I've t- I would have told you I believed it. I would have I would have looked you in the face and told you like, yeah, of course, Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy. But the truth is, I'm always chasing after things that I think would give me more satisfaction than Jesus can. We are addicted to comfort. We are addicted to chasing after something that would give our soul satisfaction. It's just like Adam and Eve in the garden. They had every reason to be fully satisfied in God, and yet they turned to something else. It was never about an apple. It was never about a piece of fruit. It was never about this tree. It was, it was about turning to something other than God for satisfaction. And you and I have that same sin problem. We have that same problem. We're, we are chasing after something that would give us satisfaction. And I told my buddy this week that I've, you know, I've preached the gospel to thousands of people. I've stood on stages. I've sang songs for lots of people. I've done a lot of things that I would consider really cool or that I'd like to put on a resume. But I'll tell you this, there's nothing that I've ever done (laughs) that compares to what I feel like is happening this week. 
when it comes to serving Jesus. Um, you can set up chairs, man. You can you can serve on Sunday morning, and those are good things. Like greet people at your church, volunteer, lead a Bible study, all that stuff. I've done all of it, uh, and I'll tell you, nothing has felt like I'm serving Jesus in the way that it feels like I have this week, uh, as I'm loving on this little girl. Uh, and it reminded me of that verse in James. James, that, let me pull it up here so I don't misquote it. Let me see. Forgive me here. I'm rambling. James 1.27 says this, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Now listen, <laughs> before I finish this verse, hear me, if you've kind of tuned out in the last few minutes as I've been talking, listen to this. This is the one of the biggest setups in a verse that you can, in the Bible that you could possibly hear. Listen to what James says. And James, by the way, brother of Jesus, like knew Jesus very well, says this, Religion, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. I'm listening. You should be listening. I'm going to say it one more time if you're not listening. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's insane. Out of all the things that James could have said, that religion that God would accept as pure and faultless religion, like preaching the gospel more or to more people or to tithing more or to show them more up more on Sundays or to sin less and to like get yourself, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and behave better and to be a better man or have more integrity or whatever. He could have said a million things, but James says religion that God our father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And I'll tell you, man, I've done a lot of stuff in the church, but there's nothing, I've never felt like I've served God more than this last week than by loving on this orphan that's in our home, by this, by this little girl who doesn't have a mommy and daddy right now to love on them. And uh, I don't know, dude, I, I just feel like, it, uh, I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a maturing thing, I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you, um, there's something about giving up your life. And I don't trust me. Listen, I'm not like putting myself in any, there, there are men and women way more faithful to the Lord than I have been, um, who have literally given up their lives for the sake of the gospel. And I don't even want to like put myself near their same category as what they're doing for the sake of the gospel. I feel like just this last week, I've just like tasted the tiniest crumb of what it means to like give up your life to sacrifice your home, to, to put your children in a situation where they're forced to sacrifice and to love and to give up some of their comforts for the sake of someone else. I'm just scratching the surface. I'm a weekend, dude. Like I'm not, I'm not, not uh, trust me, I'm not trying to like make myself sound like this ultra holy hero here. I'm a weekend and we're doing, we're doing, you know, we're raising a, a, another child in America. We have a lot of luxuries here. I'm not by any, any means saying that I'm being radical for the sake of the gospel, but I feel like I've scratched the surface of what it might mean to give up my life for the sake of someone else. And I'll tell you, it's the, it's the deepest joy that I've ever felt. 
So I'm going to leave you with these two thoughts as I've uh, kind of rambled my way through this podcast. I apologize. Uh, number one is this. Um, I know that many of us um, are chasing, I'm trying to think of how I can say this. Uh, let me, there are many of us who are chasing after things that, um, well, dude, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Because uh, I would I would want somebody to tell me like it is if I were, <laughs> uh, when I'm in that situation. The truth is, you are probably, it's likely that you are chasing after things that have more to do with your comfort than the kingdom of God. Um, and if you're like me, you are trying hard, whether you admit it or not, or consciously or not, to build your own kingdom, maybe more than you are concerned about building the kingdom of God. Um, and I can only say that because that has been all my life. And uh, and that's true even to this day. Like I'm addicted to comfort. Uh, I love comfort. And I love the idea of my kingdom and my own little kingdom being built. Um, but I want to challenge you. And even as I say these words, I'm convicted that we would be men who are more about the kingdom of God than we are our own kingdoms, that we are more about the advancement of the gospel than we are our comfort. And so would we be men who take God's call, Jesus's call seriously to come and die? that we would give up our lives. And that doesn't mean just like showing up to church on Sunday and being a volunteer, Um, but we would actually give all of our lives seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And listen, I'm not, I'm not telling each of you, you need to go be foster parents, right? Like maybe coming and dying means simply giving up your life for the sake of your wife in a way that you never have done before. Maybe you're chasing after your career or your money or your job or your video games or your sports team more than you're chasing after Jesus and your family suffering as a result. And I would tell you, give up your life, like lay down your selfishness and your pride and your own desires and your own dreams. Give it up for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of your family. Would you pursue Jesus more than your comfort and more than your kingdom? Uh, I'm convicted, dude, even as I say that. So I feel that the weight and the heaviness of that. But would we not be boys anymore? Would we not dream just childish, silly dreams? And I'm, listen, God calls us to dream. I'm a dreamer. I'm, a, I'm like, I want to say I'm one of the biggest dreamers, right? Like I, I dream. But more than anything, would we be more addicted to seeing the advancement of God's kingdom come and his will be done than we would seeing our own kingdom grow? Uh, So that would be the first thing I would say to you. The second and last thing I would say to you is this. I'm actually going to challenge you. Uh, I just read an article this week uh, about the need for foster parents. And uh, the need is really as bad as they say it is. There's no exaggeration here. There is a huge need. And uh, I'm not saying foster parenting is for everyone. There's a lot of people that maybe shouldn't do this or it's not a good season of life or whatever. Um, but the need is terrible. Every time you hear a news story or read a news article or turn on the news on your TV and your local news and you hear about um, someone being arrested or some family, something happening with family, there are kids attached to that who are now sleeping in hotel rooms with DHS workers. Um, and there is a huge need for foster parents to step up and to love on these children. And what greater way to serve the, our community 
to be light, salt and light to the world and to just say like, I'll love on these babies, whether it's for a day or for uh, eight years or five years or five months or whatever, like I'll give up my comfort for the sake of loving on these kids. Um, The need is great, man. I don't care what state you live in. It is a huge, huge need. And so I would challenge you to consider um, praying through that at the very least, just bringing it up with your wife and praying through it. Uh, Dude, I've been praying over this little girl every day that she's been here, that God would capture her heart, that she would get a glimpse of God's kingdom, that she would get a glimpse of our Savior. Even if she's here for one year or five years or two months or whatever, that she would get a glimpse of our Savior in in her time here with us. Um, and I think, man, if we could put more of these kids who are vulnerable and just scared and, and at risk, if we could put them into godly homes where they can at least get a glimpse of Jesus and the gospel, such a great way to just um, give up our lives for the sake of the kingdom. So anyway, I hope this made some sense <laughs> in all of my rambling. Um, but it's, I hope Please forgive me also, as you can imagine, it's been a little bit of an emotional week and uh, kind of a busy, scattered week. We've had a lot going on, a lot of DHS workers at our house, a lot of family flying in for Elijah's birthday. But anyway, I love you guys. Let's let's go and die to our own comforts for the sake of the gospel. Let's not just say that in a Sunday morning or hear that and feel convicted and move on, but we actually give up our lives for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God. I love you. Thanks for listening. Later. Thank you.